Good morning. Um, I am thankful to have this opportunity. It'll be a it's a good opportunity. I would uh, numerous things to say to get started, but um, one is never in my 50 years of being a Christian have I spent so much time looking and considering and pondering Leviticus than I have <laughs> in the last couple weeks. And it's only been on five chapters. <clears throat> and uh, that doesn't mean that this is going to spill out really well. It just means <laughs> I spent some time in it. And I suspect that there's a good number of you who have uh, uh, much better than I, praiseworthily better than I, uh, invested time in understanding Leviticus and, and what's going on in there. So that's um, a little... Um, Statement. Um, I do, uh, two weeks ago, I think I was here, and I, I do still uh, heartily um, hold to, um, I'm, uh, I'm glad that I have the real thing rather than just a shadow. <laughs> the real thing is a lot easier to see and understand, uh, but um, I'm, I'm aware then it shouldn't diminish uh, too much uh, my desire to understand uh, God gave the shadow, and uh, uh, some of the uh, commentators who commentate on this, they, uh, you know, I was, I'm just reminded that we ought to study all of God's word. All God's word is uh, inspired by Him, and uh, worthy to be studied, to be understood. So I was challenged, and I'm thankful for that. <clears throat> A question: About if well, let, let me start with this way. Um, Two things come to my mind, always thinking of a way to kind of draw people in. But I'm not much of a symphony um, attender. I, maybe I've attended one in my life, and then I've seen some clips on TV. Is anybody big on symph symphonies? <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. I shouldn't be surprised. Every weekend you're off to it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the two, the one I was at in person was in elementary school. And then another one I saw in a movie, and I don't know why my attention was drawn to it, but um, Jim, are, are cymbals a big part of a, a symphony, or do they really play a, a, in terms of time? Are they off, often used? Okay, it depends on the music. Um, the ones I watched, uh, the cymbals the were not highly involved, but when they were involved, it was just like, a tremendous climax in, in, in the uh, in the movie that was shown was uh, you know somebody was following the score and obviously they were looking for the the moment when the symbols would be played. They had a clandestine mes uh, idea when the symbols clanged they were going to shoot somebody, so they were waiting for that uh, that part. And uh, they were following along, and then the, in the movie they they show the symbol player. He's first sitting there, and then uh, you know at, at some point he gets one symbol in this hand and one symbol in this hand, and then he's you know in this position, and the other, the other orchestral music is just building up, building up, building up, and you know at, at his moment it was clang, and uh, it's just pretty uh, like there, uh, a high point is is what I was. Um, under, uh, uh, being drawn to. And it's interesting, some of the commentators on this, uh, 
Last week was Leviticus 10. Um, next week is Leviticus 16. Leviticus 16 uh, is about the Day of Atonement. And many people say Leviticus 16, there are these commentators, as this is like the, uh, the uh, climax of the Pentateuch. It's the central point. And of course, if we know what the atonement is, we can, uh, we can understand that. <clears throat> so where we are is we're on that build up to next week um, where we'll have this, the, the Day of Atonement we'll look at. By the way, you may remember uh, last time I was here, it was a Sunday, we spoke, it was Rosh Hashanah. This past Wednesday was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. So we're kind of in the right <laughs> scheme of things, but uh, just interesting notes. Let me pray and then see if we can move into this. So. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the week you've given us. We rejoice in the day ahead of us. Uh, we rejoice that we can know uh, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who um, is holy, the one who, um, who we want to dwell with. Thank you that you've provided a way for that. Thank you that what we see in, uh, in Leviticus is a part of your drama of redemption. Uh, we pray that this morning in the brief time there is that um, what is uh, spoken and presented would be accurate, would be helpful. Uh, pray that we'd come away um, with those things you have for us, that we might know you better, that we might live to your honor and your glory. You were told that you're holy and we're therefore called to be holy. So our heart is uh, in that direction by your mercy and grace. Thank you now. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> where were you, um, where were you 3,500 years ago? Anybody? Why do you ask such a question? <laughs> so you can't quite remember that far back, is that it? Uh, <laughs> um, if you were here last week, um, and if you can get in a time machine and go back, that's probably about 3,500 years ago, close to that. Um, <clears throat> if you had been um, uh, among the tribes that were now out in the desert, if you had been watching the tabernacle be manufactured and then put in place, and then um, you'd gotten some instructions about sacrifices, and then uh, you heard instructions about high priests, and you watched um, as the high priests were clothed in their particular garments, and then uh, you may have seen the consecrating ceremony that the, the Aaron and his sons were consecrated to carry out these sacrifices. Um, if you're a, a concerned and attentive person, and if you had any desire to be in a right relationship with God, how significant would those things have been to you? I just, how significant? <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, you know, if my desire is to truly be in the fellowship of God, to be uh, welcomed by him, what would I not do in order to do what I could do to make that happen? And so they're just, uh, you know, you'd be attentive to uh, to um, what's being said and and you understand the, these places, there's an outer court, there's something called the um, 
holy place and then the holy of holies and um, understanding that God is holy and um, <clears throat> in your heart, I, I, wanna, I want to be close to God. You, that may have been on your heart, maybe it w- wouldn't have been. Uh, and then you understand that these sacrifices that'll help move in that direction and then there's priests who have to administer those. And so the big day comes and the priests are, are ready to make these sacrifices. And suddenly there's this, whatever, a blast of fire and two of the priests fall dead. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you're there? Man, I was, I was ready for this to take place. This is a part of God's drama of redemption, part of his plan. And, and they, they're fallen dead. Um, let me read, uh, rem- remind us of Leviticus 10, verses 1 through 3. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, it is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people I will be honored. So therefore, so Aaron therefore kept silent. I guess God wasn't kidding when he said, you've got to be holy. Um, I wonder if we, you know, if we might take, well, there's going to be great on the curve. There's going to be leniency. Things are going to be fine. And, and these men who had the right clothing on, they had been trained, uh, consecrated, and they, they go in. You're, maybe you're not seeing that part of it, but at the end of the at the end of the moment uh the two are are dead and they're carried out by other brothers you know i it um it's just uh things are driven home that uh in order to be in the presence of god you must be holy and if there's anything unholy don't step forward okay <laughs> don't step forward um <clears throat> Next week, uh, Ben will be bringing so Leviticus 16, uh, and I've written, I think it's, it's, um, it is on your paper. Uh, I, uh, now, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they had approached the presence of the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, or he will die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. We understand that eventually, uh, when things were right, Aaron uh, did uh, go into the Holy of Holies, and yet there, the, what, the warning after warning is that God, our God is a God of life. Our God is a God of life in the Garden of Eden. Uh, God, he created life. He created man, the highest order of his creation. Um, a man and God fellowshiped at that point. And yet God had commands. God had commands. And the, uh, the command was, don't eat of this tree. Many other trees you can eat of. Don't eat of this one. Um, we know the story. They ate of the tree. God said, the day you do it, you will surely die. Um, they died spiritually. Um, 
the uh, picturing of that is is quite soon after that they were expelled from the garden and they were out of God's presence. Uh, I believe it's Ben and maybe Doug too have just been explaining. So this tabernacle setting is it's uh, it's part of this drama of redemption where where God is again going to dwell among His people. He's providing a way for people to draw near. But the thing that hasn't changed is God is holy. And for unholy ones to come into his presence, they surely die. These are, um, they're, uh, I would say they're sobering thoughts. <laughs> I'm glad I live in the time period I live. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, you know, I still, it still does not give me some license to minimize God's designs of holiness for me, for you. Uh, we know it's much more than food. That's part of what we're going to talk about. Um, but, um, you know, even, even at that time, there were those who truly believed in what God was doing, God's mercy, God's grace, God's holiness. Uh, there will be people at that time that we will, uh, fellowship with in heaven. Uh, they're living by faith, not in their abilities to carry something out. I, I look at this and I think if I were then, uh, the only thing I would be able to do is cry out for mercy because I would know, <laughs> I would know that I had fallen short. And I, had, I didn't have it within me to, to uh, change that. To me, that's some of what we see in this setting. Um, Leviticus 10 also uh, last week, but it just, again, reminds us here. Um, this is your third passage down on the paper. The Lord then spoke to Aaron. It was pointed out this is the only time that the Lord speaks only to Aaron or directly to Aaron. This is what we have. The Lord spoke to Aaron saying, do not drink wine or strong drink, neither, neither you nor your sons with you when you come into the tent of meeting so that you will not die. It is a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane and between the unclean and the clean. And so as to teach the sons of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them. Um, uh, You can see a highlighted, um, uh, these warnings, obey me, trust me so that you will not die, so that you will not die. And then he's told that, so as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane and between the unclean and the clean. Uh, In my learnings more about what's going on in Leviticus, I understand that the chapters we're looking at today, 11 through 15, focuses on this arena of distinguishing between the unclean and the clean. Next week will be uh, 16 and the atonement and then after that, chapter 17 through the mid-20s, um, it's more of an instruction on a distinction between the holy and the profane. So that's up ahead of us. But today, it's between the unclean and the clean. I have another passage here for us. Uh, uh, Exodus 19, of course, these two books uh, cover the same time period. Verse five and six, now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you speak to the sons of Israel. 
Interestingly, we see these to the sons of Israel. And, you know, one thing that's pointed out in commentaries I read is that uh, um, in Leviticus, there's, um, you have at least, I don't know that I want to use the word genres, but there's historical narrative. And then there's these listings of regulations. And one of the commentators just pointed out that the the preponderance of, of what's presented is the, the regulations, <laughs> but it's the narrative that, that uh, really uh, is what's gonna help us as we look into that. It's, uh, it's the regulations are important, but uh, what's given in the narrative helps us along with that. Um, and then it's pointed out that this was this was a commandment for these people at this time as we end our time today. We're going to look in the New Testament and we're going to see that uh, in a way, in, in some real way, some valuable way, uh, what is presented here is no longer in force. It's no longer in effect. And uh, so that's part of going through Leviticus. Um, <clears throat> but it, and it's also for a special people. This is These things are for these priests and this holy nation. The next verse you see uh, at the bottom of the page is a passage of Leviticus 11. Uh, well, let me, so, let me do that and then we'll flip the page. So verse 44 and 45. So, um, for I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy and you shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God, and thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. Um, great. <laughs> uh, if I said word up in the, <laughs> in the uh, Good News Club, word up kind of gives you the theme that you're going to talk about. <laughs> this is the word up, okay? Uh, God is holy, you be holy. Uh, that, when you leave the room, if you don't know anything about unclean animals, <laughs> know that God is holy and you're called upon to be holy, all right? Turn the page. Um, I was appreciated a graph, that, um, graph, a chart that uh, showed up in one of the materials. It really helped me and you may already be there, but you see on the left side, holy, then you see this, um, line separating it from common. So holy and common. Um, or, um, so we have that. The common category you see divided into two parts, um, clean and unclean. So um, within the common, there's clean and there's unclean. Uh, some of the arrows on this uh, help you see that if you if you violate what is holy, you immediately have gone into the common arena, okay? You've gone into the common arena. And then um, if you go from the clean aspect and you pollute in that way, if you violate any of these particular regulations, you've, you've moved into the unclean. You can see that there's a way to cleanse. We, we won't be looking at it in great detail, but it, as these passages point out, these things make you unclean. Um, there are other, there are ways that, that that can be removed and you can be considered clean again. And then, um, 
you see sanctify uh, with an arrow over to holy. You know sanctify means to make holy, to set apart. Um, so with sanctification, the clean can be uh, in the holy category. At the bottom, you see sin and infirmity move you to the unclean side. Sacrifice, and you and I know the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate uh, lamb who takes away the sin of the world. We spoke of last time uh, the proper sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice under the perfect uh, high priest uh, can move us into the holy category. Below this, what I've done is uh, Leviticus 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I've, I've pulled out possibly, it could be said, a, a representative passage. We don't have time to read all of it. Um, that'll be your homework. I'm going to give you a call later in the day. Make sure you're, <laughs> you're uh, making your next attempt to make your way through these things. I, uh, I've always found it rather tedious and yet, God's word, wanting to go through it. Let me read some of these things to just give us a sense of some of what's happening. It may be a while since you've read it. How, has anybody memorized a good portion of the book of Leviticus? That, that, that's not <laughs> what you've been working on. Okay, There are a few passages that are much worthy of that for sure. Let me read uh, from these five um, uh, places, uh, make some comments and uh, move forward from there. So Leviticus, Leviticus 11, um, the Lord spoke again to Moses and to Aaron saying to them, speak to the sons of Israel saying, these are the creatures which you may eat from all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever divides a hoof and thus makes split, making split hooves and choose the cud among the animals that you may eat uh, among the animals that you may eat nevertheless you are not to eat of these among those which chew the cud or among those which divide the hoof the camel or though it chews cud it does not divide the hoof it is unclean to you likewise the shapan for though it chews the cud it does not divide the hoof it is unclean to you the rabbit also for though it chews the cud it does not divide the hoof it is unclean to you and the pig for though it divides the hoof thus making a split hoof it does not chew the cud it is unclean to you you shall not eat of their flesh nor touch their carcasses they are unclean to you this is the law regarding regarding the animal and the bird and every living thing that moves in the waters and everything that swarms on the earth to make a distinction between the unclean and the clean and between the edible creature and the creatures which is not to be clean. I read one through eight and then went to the end of the chapter. So between where those three dots are, there are a lot more, a lot more regulations. <sighs> what I found myself doing was what <laughs> I, 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 but i put myself back 3500 years i don't i wouldn't have been saying what i would have said if this is what i have to do to be close to god i want to get it right <laughs> i want to get it right um and um you know some of the commentators say that between uh, moses and the congregation there was some shared information that just for in God's providence or sovereignty, he didn't spell out a lot of the details there. So theologians over the ages, they've rightfully puzzled, studied, concerned, uh, considered, and done a variety of things. It was interesting. Ben had suggested I listen to a podcast three 
one definitely theologian who I think has been in our church, two other guys in a little interview, and at the end of their little discussion on these, um, these animals, uh, one guy said, so would it, would, it, would it be okay to say that I don't fully understand these things? And the, the guy that was chief of all the three said, I don't understand all these things. <laughs> he said, you can go to the library. I assume they were at a seminary. He said, you can go to the library, find 12 commentaries, and you'll get 13 different explanations <laughs> for what's going on here. I say that with, there, there's a bit of a, okay. I, I just want us to know that those who have studied and invested a lot of time in this, they, they don't come away saying dogmatically, I know this and this, but they do come away, and I hope I can share that it was helpful to me. They, they share uh, a few uh, worthwhile considerations. Perhaps I even ought to mention them. Um, uh, maybe this is a good point, just where we are to do that. Um, So we think of, if we think of God in the holies of holy and God is life, a pure 100% whole life. And then uh, on this other side is you have death. And um, so the closer you go to, go to God, there's, there's this cleansing from those things that have an aura of death about them. So some uh, people, um, as they look at the animals and they try to sort it out and uh, you know, they seem to make a distinction and none of them are going to land that's 100% this way. There always seems to be an exception to the theory they come up with. But uh, some of these animals, let's see if I can even read. Um, maybe this is a good summary. Uh, God, who is perfect life and perfect holiness, can only be approached by clean men who enjoy fullness of life themselves. The unclean are those who in some way have an aura of death about them in that they manifest less than physical wholeness. Many of the unclean animals are associated with death in some fashion, whether in being carnivorous predators or scavengers living in trees uh, and living in caves, I'm sorry, living in caves or tombs, or like pigs by being associated with underworld deities and pagan worship. Um, among these lines, creatures that demonstrate some abnormality within their class, like fish without scales, are considered further from the wholeness of an ordered cosmos in terms of life. Um, the first time I was hearing that, it was like, that doesn't seem to fit the way I think, but I kind of get the ideas. I mean, God created all the animals and all the animals are good. So I hear, I, I know that and I'm going, so what's going on with this? But um, I get the thing with the fish, if you took the fish, the, I, I guess the most common fish are going to have fins and scales. There are other fish that live in the uh, ocean um, that don't have that. So they're, uh, they're apart from the normal, whatever the normal is. So it, this is uh, some consideration that's given there. Uh, and they use the word uh, life and death or wholeness and something that falls short of wholeness. Uh, so you see that type of um, um, <clears throat> consideration given to what we're talking about with these animals. Let me um, <clears throat> go on to uh, Leviticus 12, 7 through 8. Again, I'm choosing only something that hopefully has some representation of what's being discussed without 
embarrassing me too much. Uh, Le Leviticus 12, seven through eight. Uh, then he shall offer it before the Lord. This is the priest who's receiving a sacrifice from a, a woman who gave birth to ch children. Then he, the priest, shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether a male or a female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. Leviticus 12 uh, is a, a shorter chapter, but a section that deals with childbirth. Um, you know, we look at that and we go, well, childbirth is not unholy. That's certainly <laughs> in God's designs. Uh, what they recognize then is that the, uh, the, there's that the after the childbirth, after birth, I don't even remember the names, but, you know, something has, it's, uh, it's lost its life. It's expelled from the body. So that type of explanation is used that it's, it's, um, uh, uh, the explanation is some of these unclean things you don't you don't exactly and necessarily equate unclean with sinfulness what happens in childbirth that's all natural and yet there's this element of of something expelled from the body that uh, is it has an aura of of deadness to it that's what's being said uh, on those things. Interesting note, if you can remember Doug's statement, or Ben's, I think a couple of weeks ago, he, he, somebody asked a question, he said there's a kind of a sliding scale on the uh, sacrifice thing. There, there's occasionally a mention of somebody who's not, doesn't have the resources to, to buy the uh, number one sacrifice, and then there's something else. So that, just a side note with that. Um, <clears throat> Leviticus 13. Uh, 13 and 14 really uh, can come together in a way. Uh, as, as for the leper who has the infection, um, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered and he shall cover his mustache and cry unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Leviticus 14 um, uh, it's where the priests are involved with examining these things. And uh, again, we can see mercy. We see grace. We see uh, in these, um, we're, we're presented with things that make us unclean, but to become unclean, it's not the end of the road. It's not, you know, you've died. God in his mercy provides a way to uh, be in a position to be near him. And so uh, 14 is the priest's role. Uh, I'll read just verses one through three. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look. And if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, it goes on. Uh, sorry for that um, abbreviation there. But uh, so what we're seeing um, with some of these skin um, diseases and other, there are other uh, products in the home that may have a, uh, a disease type of a thing on them. Uh, the, the way this is equated with this consideration of death and life, uh, skin flaking off the body, these type of things, that's that at one point that had been living skin. Now it is, it's dead, it's flaking off, it's going away. And so those who, who try to um, 
give us some some sense of understanding this that would that would be it there's a um, there's a uh, dealing with death and moving us um, more in a position to where we um, might be near to God they might be near to God um, let me read this uh, <clears throat> Uncleanness then seems to have cast the shadow of death over its bearers. Since major impurities not only pollute but endanger, atonement is appropriate, as the unclean person needs not only to be cleansed but also be ransomed from the realm of death. While contracting uncleanness was a movement from life towards death, the purification rituals were understood as a movement from death towards life, typically involving symbols of life, blood, and water. Um, the poles of life and wholeness versus death and chaos may also be understood within the correlation of life with holiness and death with sin. Let me um, keep moving. I'll read this Leviticus 15 um, on your page, your handout. It mentions it's the diagnosing and cleansing and unclean bodily discharges. A longer uh, chapter, I'm choosing just to read the last several verses. There's a multi-purpose there, but we get a sense of what's being, what's being talked about, what's being called unclean and the remedy for it. So um, we read, Thus you shall keep the sons of Israel separated from their uncleanness so that they will not die in their uncleanness by their defiling my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law for the one with a discharge and for the man who has a seminal emission so that he is unclean by it and for the woman who is ill because of menstrual impurity and for the one who has a discharge, whether a male or female or a man who lies with an unclean woman. The whole chapter kind of goes into this idea of uh, discharges that would make unclean. At the same time, I'll just say it again. We, we see God's mercy in these things. We see a provi- providing a way to, to uh, move back. You and I live 3,500 years later, and um, I think in much richer, brighter, fuller, um, for me, thankful ways. I... I, um, again, I, if, if I had lived then, I, I, I don't know where I would have ended up. I would have either ended up depressed knowing I can't, I can't, can't keep all this stuff. I can't do it. And, and the guys who are the high priests, there's evidence that they, you know, that they're not fully able. I, I'd either end up depressed or it, I could end up a Pharisee. What a Pharisee will do is somehow lower the standard and raise up their own standard, and then, you know, they're good. What they've done is displaced God <laughs> uh, and uh, put themselves on a, a throne, uh, not only displaced God, but absolutely um, interesting how Pharisees, <laughs> everything they'll accuse Jesus of is exactly what they do. I, I hope you've recognized that in the past. And that's how it is with humans. If somebody's accusing you, you know if you're guilty or not. If you're not guilty, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people want to get the attention off of them <laughs> and put it on to, to someone else. Interesting scenario. Well, let me do this. Um, you see at the uh, bottom of your page, um, 
now that I've mentioned Pharisees, in Mark 7, uh, the Pharisees were complaining that uh, the dis- Jesus' disciples were, I, be- this, I believe this is the time where they were complaining that uh, um, they were eating with unclean hands. They, uh, they said, Jesus, why don't they follow um, why don't they follow what we're doing? And Jesus points out to them, you, are, uh, you have lifted up your traditions and you've discarded the commands of God. Jesus says in verse 14, listen to me, all of you, and understand there's nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. Uh, later, the disciples were still trying to take that in because they were living in that... <laughs> These were the laws. These were what were given to us. Um, His disciples questioned him about the parable. And uh, he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated? Thus, he declared all foods are clean. And he was saying that which proceeds out of man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. You know, as I consider who's in this room, men and women, whose God has opened their eyes, softened their heart, who's who's uh, given this new covenant, who's uh, removed a heart of stone, who's placed his words within our heart. We understand, and Jesus helps us understand it. It's not what comes into us. It's what comes out of us. It's our heart. It's our heart that needs to be purified. Um, It's Christ through his death, his resurrection, through his perfect life, uh, through living a fully obedient life, and and then giving his life. These are the things that... uh, enable us to move from death to eternal life. Just the expression of eternal life. I hope you grasp that. (laughs) It's, I'm dead. I'm dead in my sin and my trespasses because of all of my um, unholiness. And yet, by faith in Christ, God borning me again, um, I am made his child. I made his child. God is then on a, uh, on a lifelong journey for all of us. This, this, there's a sanctification, a sanctification of setting us in the holy uh, arena of being God's child, and yet there's this lifelong um, sanctifying work, purifying work. Uh, we don't have to go through some of those rituals. I, it comes to my mind, many of us have memorized and know First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You might easily think of Jesus at the, uh, the night before he's betrayed, washing, washing disciples' um, feet. And, you know, Peter kind of gets that a little messed up. You know, <laughs> go ahead and wash all of me. <laughs> wash all of me. Not, not a a bad thought of, you know, I want to be clean before you. Jesus said, you know, if, you, if you're basically, I believe what we can understand, if you're my child, you, you, don't, you don't need to accept me again. You don't need to be born again again. You can't be. <laughs> you, uh, you come confessing sin, and God is ever ready to cleanse us from sin and lead us into all unrighteousness. 
Uh, what's our time? I've uh, put down Acts 10, a few passages in there. Uh, maybe before that, I'll just make mention of, um, you know, we see Jesus uh, uh, interacting with um, lepers. You know, uh, he comes up and, and uh, touches the leper. He's the high priest. He comes for the examination. He heals them. Um, and so, you know, it, it, we see in the life of Christ, it no longer shadows, but we see the real thing. <laughs> if somebody says, can you do that? I really try to look at Jesus. Did Jesus do that? If he did that, <laughs> I can do that. Did Jesus not do that? I ought not do that. That's why we, we talk about fixing our eyes on Christ. We fix our eyes on Christ and uh, we follow him. We walk with him. But uh, so with lepers and now this uh, pretty, you know, Pretty helpful, I believe. Um, Acts 10, a voice came to him, came to Peter. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. I'm going to guess if somebody else had said that, I'm not sure I'd believe him. If Peter said it, I mean, he made plenty of mistakes, but to say that so adamantly, I don't know. Um, I tend to believe I've never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times. At the, at the third time, Peter, it's clear to Peter, this is God. God, God has declared uh, all foods um, uh, able to be eaten. Verse 28, uh, let's see. Peter now is talking to Cornelius and those gathered around Cornelius in verse 28. Uh, Peter says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Uh, further down, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Obviously, doing what is right is repenting of sin and trusting in Christ. But uh, we see in this uh, passage just the, the declaring of um, these foods formally declared as unclean, as uh, edible. Go for it, <laughs> go for it. Um, and um, so there's so much more we could look at in the, um, the New Testament. Even those in the New Testament times, they're trying to enforce uh, people, uh, don't eat this. And Paul says, if you eat with thanksgiving, you're fine. He also gives us a, a loving caution. If your brother is still having trouble with some of these dietary laws, you don't, you don't, you don't um, go, you don't want to hurt his conscience. You, you take more time and work through those type of things. And um, uh, a passage, that, do I have it someplace? Let me see if I do. Romans um, 14 goes along those lines. I don't have it in front of me, so I'll just have to kind of quote it, but it's, it talks about life is not about eat and drink. It's about righteousness and living in, in love and kindness uh, toward those around you. Um, you know, if we ever find ourselves kind of getting wrapped up in food, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my father who sent me. The disciples had been off getting their 
food, no problem to eat. God's not anti-food. <laughs> eat the food you eat. But he does say, my food, the thing that satisfies me most is doing the will of God. That ought to be true for us, for you and I. The thing that satisfies us most is uh, whatever God's will is, is to be doing that. Let me see. I see I've got 46 seconds. Uh, that's good timing. I don't think I can answer any questions you might have. Uh, no, I'll take a, a question. And it may just give you a chance to any, any question. Easy, like a kindergarten question. <laughs> I'll pass it on to some others. Jim? Yeah, thank you. After the, after the flood, God told giving you everything to eat. Then the Jewish nation comes along and God restricts the eat and Jesus comes along and declares all things clean. Mm. This makes me think that God is trying to set aside the people of Israel as distinct from everyone else. As he said in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy that people would say what a, what a just and, and great nation this was. So what I, there's a lot of those military laws seem to me to be ceremonial, ceremonial and others are for their physical benefit, like not eating bats and pigs and bears and things like that. That's obvious to many people today that this is a bad thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, the people of this world, for a while at least, were known as people uh, that were quick-minded and clean and, you know, in, a, in a world that was the opposite of that. So I can see... Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I, that went unsaid in all that I did, but definitely uh, I think what we read in Acts 10, uh, it's, it becomes quite clear that at least a, a major factor of that was a separation of, of people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so thanks, Jim. Thanks for bringing that up. Anything more? I think, oh, I think I better finish this off. We'll pray. Next week is... Um, good time to look at the Day of Atonement and uh, all the considerations that go with that. Father, your word is um, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Your word is nourishment to our souls. Um, even, even as we love to read your written word, our greatest uh, praise is that your living word, Christ, the one who tabernacled among us, who most fully showed you, who most fully drew close to us, that he might draw those he's foreknown to be near. Lord, we just praise you that um, you reveal yourself to us. You make yourself known, and we thank you that you are uh, forever at work in our lives, conforming us to the image of your Son. We pray for the our hour of worship ahead, our time of worship ahead, that uh, all of it would be to your honor, to your glory, that we might uh, know you better and represent you well. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.